Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here in Berks County in this beautiful Saturday afternoon, right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. As we do our show, The Washington, we've been doing this for five years, folks. You've been tuning into us for five years because you know that we do have the truth that comes very quickly at the speed of sound. And you want this perspective, a perspective that you get right here on our channel. And uh, today, folks, I want to talk a little bit about how there's some discussion for Donald Trump to be put up there for speaker. I want to get into that a little bit. And uh, Hillary's concentration camps, I should say re-education camps, so she's advocating for that. So we'll get into that and we'll get into whatever else we can get into in the in the 30 minutes we're together. So let's talk a little bit about Donald Trump for Speaker of the House and what's coming on with that right now. Now, what's interesting is uh, there is some discussion about it. And I thought it was interesting that somebody, I mean, again, just getting to, to, to the, before I jump into that, but we want to talk a little about, you know, McCarthy being ousted, okay? Some believe, okay, that, that, uh, ousting McCarthy wasn't the answer. I mean, or maybe McCarthy wasn't the answer, uh, you know, but whatever. I mean, the bottom line is it happened. Okay. They voted him out. There's not going to be a speaker for at least a few days. So the government can't do a whole lot. So the best news that America has had in a long time is that the house is kind of paralyzed right now. They can't do a whole lot, but anytime the government can't do anything, it's a blessing for the American people. Right. I, I think it is. But when was the last time Washington DC that said did anything right? So the bottom line is Jim Jordan, he's tossed his hat into the ring for the speaker's position. And, uh, you know, he would probably be better than McCarthy. I, I like Jim Jordan. <clears throat> I think he'd be a good speaker. <clears throat> I believe Trump has already endorsed him, but he got behind him. Uh, Jordan has uh, been moving at the speed of light in this committee and pursuing the Biden crime family. Okay, but, you know, these things are, they, they take time and they're going to be done. They're going to be done correctly. So impeaching Biden needs to be done, but it needs to be done in such a way that the American people know what's going on. Understand the cries of the Biden family and to support the uh, Republicans in what they're doing. Moving the massive ship does take time and longevity, and, and Jordan has that. But Jordan says he'd like the speaker job. <clears throat> so, I mean, he'll, he'll uh, I think, like I said, I think Trump endorses him. But Donald Trump uh, might be open to the job for a little while. And some on the right have been trying to get Trump there for a long time. So, there are some that we can look at. Say, so a lot of people think that Trump would be a good speaker. Frankly, it might be a perfect position for Trump because he can wreak, wreak havoc on the House and do exactly what's needed. And someone needs to shake up Washington. So Trump might jump into the speaker's job if they'd elect him for a few days or a few weeks. <clears throat> that would be interesting. And I think he's the guy to do it. <clears throat> but anyway, so Washington virtually single-handedly, especially the communist ideology dominating Washington is destroying the United States of America. That's just the way it is. And Donald Trump in the speakership could actually do some, bring some light to that. See, matters just can't go on as they've been for decades. That's just a fact. <clears throat> there has to be some serious revolutionary change in the way we do business and government operate. That's why, and again, that, I think that's why McCarthy had to go. Because yeah, he really wasn't about to change anything. But I don't know if Trump wants the job or he can do it. I mean, I don't know if he'd take it or whatever, but I, I I think Trump would be fine as the speaker. I mean, Newt Gingrich was probably the, the best in a lifetime. I mean, he was there working within the system and he didn't change a whole lot. You know, but I mean, you got Trump is really the, the only person who, who can turn the United States around. I think that's the truth of it all. And and I think what I, what I see is, I mean, these are people that want to see the country on a different course. I, I just believe and agree with that. I think that that's something that we can all, we, we, need, we need to be on a different course. And so- you know, we, we all, I mean, I, you know, I think there's a lot of people, myself included, want Trump back in the president's chair. So, you know, they, you know, honestly, I mean, I think he's the only person who can save this country. I think he's got the backbone to do it. You know, there are, there are some people that don't believe he, he's electable, but I don't, I don't buy into that. I think he is. 
you know, I, I think he's, uh, what I like about Trump is that he fights the establishment. He wants America first. He wants to get out of the Ukraine. You know, I mean, and like I said, there's a lot of people I think that'll vote for Trump. They don't like him, but they'll vote for him if he's the nomination. And uh, I just, I think he can. I think he can. I think he will. But it's going to be hilarious watching the liberal media. Okay, uh, I mean, lose it every time Trump breathes as if he's, you know, if he's uh, the speaker. You know, all Republicans in the House would vote for Trump or not. I don't know because it, it may be a bit problematic. But the majority of Republicans are not going to vote for Trump president. You know, I mean, I, I think that they will, but I, I think that the, the people, of, I should say, Amer- the majority of Americans are going to vote, I'm sorry, are going to vote for Trump president. So I, I think what's going to happen is Trump is going to win the election anyway. He's going to win the election. He's going to win it. So if they put him in as speaker, I think it's there and he can do this and I think he'll get visibility and he'll debunk him. Trump's already winning big in the polls. I mean, all the national polls show Trump up. You know, it's, it's interesting too on the electoral college. And uh, the electoral college, the electoral college protects us from a democracy. And uh, again, Republican presidential candidates have won the popular vote just once since 1988. Democrats are escorting millions of people right now into the country now with full intention of making them voters soon, but they can't do that right away. That's what they're trying to do. They want to they want to abolish the electoral college for a strict popular vote. That's what they want to do. They want to. Get, why do they want to get rid of it? Because they know that they can't win that way. Since states' rights, they know that they have a harder time winning. You know, it's it's like I said. I just think that the rhinos right now are going apoplectic. Nobody knows what to do. If Trump was to be the speaker, he might be, it'd be a whole lot of fun to watch. I think he'd be good. I think the world's gonna the world's gonna see it, uh, Donald Trump again. I, I, look, I I don't know if it will happen, but I just want to bring that up because there's some discussion about it. I think it would give him visibility. He's 91 indictments. It's going to help him to get the visibility he needs. I just thought it was interesting on that. I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, Biden's net zero policies and how it's going to invite. In actual environmental crises, I think that's something to think about. So, environmentalists believe the U.S. faces an existential climate crisis through continued fossil fuel use. So, they decry opposition to net zero goals as heresy and say we're complicit in destruction. But what about clean energy policies? Are aren't they inviting an actual environmental crisis themselves? Think about that. You know, Biden's administration desires to go fully net zero by 2050 and reduce emissions by 1.5 degrees Celsius. Although the transition would result in a measly 0.2 degrees Celsius reduction by 2100, although all all the while collapsing our economy, they want to go to electric trucks. I just can't even imagine that. They don't want they don't want diesel trucks. They want to go to electric trucks. That you know what's happening? You see, the Ukrainian war right now is driving the cost of everything up because you got the cost of energy going through the roof, the cost of fertilizer to grow the grow the product, to grow the food in the in the, in the farm fields and so forth. All that's doubled up in price. All this has happened. So the Democrats right now are, are fighting right now to, you know, to, to, to thrust us back into the Stone Age, if you will, with, a, with, with inefficient, ineffective energy, okay? But it's not going to do anything. I mean, think about what electric trucks are. Electric trucks can't travel 2,000 miles or 1,500 miles like a, like a diesel truck can. So what's that going to do to the cost of distribution? Think about the, high, the, the rising cost of everything right now. Imagine if, if trucking companies had to pay, if it took that much longer, be a load of, to get a truck load. I mean, trucks are, trucks are measured in, their profitability is measured in the loads they carry. So a truck driver can get to where he's got to go 12, 18 miles away, okay, in like 22, 25, 28 hours. Okay, if they can do that then and then get the offload done and all that, then that saves money. If you're going to take that same 1,800 mile trip and you're going to double the cost of the time it takes, to, you know, double the time it takes to make the trip, 
mean, what's that going to do to the cost of products going out of that truck and distribution? The double the cost of everything. You know, you got to understand, I mean, what drives up costs? See, this is what affects job creation. This is what affects our economical output. Okay. Our economy is driven by, and our jobs are created by the distribution of products and the creation of products and services, and of course, the distribution of those products and services into the marketplace. Okay. The, 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 the impacting, if you will, of the marketplace. And jobs are created because the industry, if you will, all the people that work and do all of this. So when you have distribution of, of products and services doubling or tripling in cost, that's going to have a direct impact on the final cost of the consumer. Think about that. I mean, it's just, just a, it's just a matter of fact. So electric trucks are a real problem. Electric cars are going to be a real problem because again, they can't travel. They, they have a much, they have huge range limit, range limitations, huge limitations of range. They all do. And why is that? Okay. Because the batteries don't hold the charge and we know how long the charges take. So when you're raising the cost to the consumer, this is what, this is going to affect our pursuit of happiness. So consumers every day, okay, who are struggling to make ends meet, okay, those consumers are going to have even more high, they're going to have even higher costs, either, either they're going to have even higher costs of living. They're going to have even a harder pursuit of their happiness. This is a fact. You know, scaling up offshore wind, okay, the hardest 30 gigawatts, I mean, that's that's not an easy thing to do. And and think about this, think about what to the solar plant, the, what a solar panel does. What is it? What energy does a solar panel produce? Solar panels to the top of the traffic lights. You know, they got you know forty square feet of solar panels or eighty square feet of solar panels to power one traffic light or street light. I mean, how many solar panels are put on the roof of a house, and how many how many gigawatts of power are created by those solar panels that they sell off to credits? How much money are I mean? How much money is actually saved by solar panels on our house, let alone offshore wind? Because it's not happening. You know, what we're seeing right now, the Inflation Reduction Act subsidies aren't working. Connecticut's proposed Avergrid project was canceled. Okay, that's an, Avergrid Incorporated agreed to pay $16 million to exit contracts for a New England offshore wind farm that has become unfinanceable after inflation and supply chain issues have dropped, driven up the cost. So, that, you know, this is just one of many Atlantic Coast projects that have been canned. You know, and, and you got the Biden administration claiming that whale deaths are connected to offshore wind exploration. Well, that's baloney. We know that. Yet NOAA scientists like Sean Hayes aren't, aren't taking the bait. Like in May 2022, he wrote the development of offshore wind poses risks to, to, to whale species. And again, it's a, it's a paradox that they can't they can't figure out. You know, recreational fishermen who worry about what worry the wind will negatively impact their livelihood and ocean access. See, environmentalist groups don't mind wind developers requesting 40 incidental harassment uh, authorizations to to the detriment of the Marine Mammal Product Protection Act, just 2016, and endangered and non-endangered whales are, you know, they're just, who cares about them? That's what this is all about. You know, like offshore wind, onshore wind is equally problematic. Two, two conservation documentarians uh, Yucca Films, Ron Kendall and Eli Rose, and they recently captured footage of the world's largest collection of unwanted wind turbine blades located down there in Sweetwater, Texas. The people responsible is Global Fiberglass Solutions. They're a company formally contracted with General, General Electric to dispose of blades. It was explained in a recent District of Conservation podcast episode. One particular video <clears throat> was done in Sweetwater, Texas, showing it's around a 20-acre graveyard down there, and they're seeing, you know, the wind turbine farm is just around 10 years old, so they're seeing about a 10-year lifespan, lifespan on these blades. 
So GE says it paid your company $16.9 million to recycle about 5,000 wind turbine blades, but that GFS instead stockpiled them at facilities in Sweetwater in Iowa. But the Texas publication added General Electric cleaning up the blades wouldn't clean up the gigantic dump because blades manufactured by other companies would still remain. See, onshore wind projects come with many, many negative trade-offs, disrupting wildlife corridors, tainting underwater aquifers, encroaching on sacred ground, and destroying high-value agricultural land. See, wind turbine blades make noise as they turn the wind, and some people don't like that sound. Now, birds and bats can be injured or killed if the turbine blades hit them, and these deaths may contribute to the declines in the population of species, uh, uh, what with bird species that are out there now. That's what, just, that's what you're hearing now. By It's a caution put up by the, the U.S. Energy Information Agency. <clears throat> Most land-based wind power projects require service roads that, that add to the physical effects of the, on the government, I should say on the environment. Producing the metals and other materials used to make wind turbine components also impacts the environment. So fossil fuels may be used to produce the materials. <clears throat> Although most of the materials used to make wind turbines can be reused or recycled turbine blades are most as most are currently constructed can't be recycled they just can't so scaling up solar farms as solar energy facilities is also problematic like because like wind solar lacks a 24 7 energy baseload and it's very expensive to install and facilities don't they that the, the, the facilities occupy and destroy acres of value high value land so they put these solar fields because they take a lot of area and a lot of space I mean, you you got high-value land projects that are being used up by these energy fields. I mean, cool. I mean, you can if we put these solar panels on there. I mean, how much? How much? Again, how much energy do they actually produce? See, scaling up these facilities could lead to deforestation and destruction of land spanning 3,900 square miles. You know, I think there was a study that came out of Princeton University warned acreage for solar facilities equivalent to the size of Virginia would would be destroyed to achieve net zero goals by 2050 there's another dark side of solar too it's and it's uh the the the, the panels they use they but they're they, they basically are made of hazardous waste materials containing heavy metals you know i mean there was a report done where revealed 90 percent of the of end of solar panels end up in landfills largely because it costs far less to dump them to recycle them ironically for clean energy proponents a 2019 study warned between 2030 and 2060 that nearly 10 million metric tons of solar panel waste are expected to accumulate. And let's not us forget here the threatened desert <clears throat> tortoises who could lose their, their critical habitat if these projects proceed through. You know, there's a hasty push to transition from reliable conventional energy to costly and unreliable renewals. And it could spur an environmental crisis of, of, of epic proportion. What it's going to spur, folks, it's going to spur inflation nation. That's what it's going to spur. I mean, when the cost of energy goes up, everything's going to go up. Believe it. Everything goes up. The cost of energy goes up, so does everything else. And no amount of wish casting, no amount of storytelling, no amount of the subsidies can, can can conceal the ugly truth about this. You know, it's just what's happening, like I said, is that they're trying to transition us away from effective, efficient fuels. What powers an economy is, is energy. And when you transition to an ineffective, inefficient energy, you're not powering your economy. You're limiting your economy, as well as driving up costs to every American that's counting on you to control the costs. Don't miss that, folks. That's just a reality. You know, that's truth that they just want to deny. It just, you know, to me, it just breaks down to what we're trying to, what we're trying to fight every day. The cost of energy in this country is through the roof right now. 
And our energy department's policies is, is to drive up the cost even further because they want to push the need for electric cars. The Department of Energy has a deliberate policy to drive up the cost of effective, efficient energy in order to make the transition to very expensive, ineffective, inefficient energy because they're making laws to outlaw effective, efficient energy. So what's going to happen is they're going to outlaw the effective, efficient energy and they're going to provide very expensive, inefficient, ineffective energy in its place. And people are voting for these politicians, these policymakers to make these rules. That's just an amazing phenomenon. You know, I've always wondered, I mean, you, you, you know, but this is what, this is what, you know, I mean, Romans talks about in Romans 1, how a reprobate world has no sensibility left. A person who doesn't, who's not able to think anymore, clearly, objectively, that person doesn't see sensibility. They just don't recognize it. So they're going to, they're going to celebrate crazy, insane public policy that's going to limit, it's going to limit and, you know, our economy. I mean, the people that are in charge of creating these jobs and these and these these policies for these energies are the same people, like I said, who've never experienced success in their own lives. These are the people who have like a special sense of vengeance against those that, that have achieved anything. They just want to punish these people. They want to provide that they're more superior. They want to prove they're more superior every day. I mean, these are realities. And as Americans, we just, we vote them in. I mean, I don't understand how people vote these people in. I other than the fact that we're seeing the fact that people are just not informed anymore. They're just not informed. Americans aren't informed anymore. You know, you look at Biden close enough, you can see his plastic surgery. It's really an amazing thing. I believe he's had plastic surgery. It looks like he has. But, you know, it's just an amazing thing. When you look at him real close, you can see you can see the what appear to be grass, if you will, or, or areas of his face that were changed and altered. Look at him real close. You know, they get faceless and things like that. People that do that sort of thing end up when those faceless when those faceless fade, they end up showing it <laughs> in the way they present themselves. But anyway, oh Biden right now and his minions are trying to, to limit American success in the pursuit of happiness. And what we're trying to fight against right now is and trying to put the word out there right now and put the perspective out there is open up your eyes and see these crazy policies and understand that these people who advocate for solar energy are they themselves depending on oil and gas every day. The electric car for me, with as long as I have a, a gas car in my garage as well. And then this is what we're seeing right now with, with, with these people, you know, the uh, socialism for thee, but not for me. That's their that's their plan, okay? Well, folks, we got to leave it there. We appreciate every one of our listeners for tuning into us today and taking the time to, to be with us every Saturday afternoon, and you have been for the last five years. So thanks for being with us today on our show, The Watchman. Folks, we'll see you next week. On the Watchman, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.